Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense, but we are a sub science here to make things make sense. Today we're talking about funny. We're talking about what makes something funny, <laughs> whether or not, and how we decide when a joke is quote unquote too soon, and whether or not jokes and humor can be used to learn better. <laughs> that was cool. that was chaotic. Um, <laughs> I tried to do the RuPaul app. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing! Okay, let me try. Let me try. <laughs> oh, yeah, like what? How else does he love? <laughs> no. Well, <Is> that- Michelle, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Michelle um, Massage. What is it? Uh, what, uh, it also reminds me. I used to be able to do a dolphin really well. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that turned me on. So, Why is that? Because you're into bestiality. <laughs> Whoa, and our dog appeared. Oh my god, lots ah. happening. Okay, so how's it going? <laughs> Okay, so we're starting the podcast. How is it going? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And, and we're ASAP Side Note Podcast. <laughs> oh my God, our oh my dog God, we just have that sighed at me. Like, literally, he's like, stop. Take me for a walk. No, Mitch and I can do really well. Here, let's do it. Hey, I'm, I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And, and we're, we're ASAP, ASAP Science. <laughs> Whoa, isn't that wild? Was it fun? I could even watch this. I'm Greg. And I'm Mitch. And, and we're, we're ASAP, ASAP Science. Science. We can do that all freaking day. <laughs> We've probably said it about a thousand million times. Eight and a half years. That's what we've learned to do. If you mm-hmm. if you actually just um, come up to us and go, who are you? We just go, I'm Greg, I'm Mitch, I'm Greg, I'm Mitch, I'm Mitch. And there's also it. like so many times at events we have to like, we have literally like not the same spiel, but we know there must be a phrase for this. Like there's words or phrases that I will come to that signals that it's your turn to talk. Yeah, for sure. Like I'll be like, and then Greg was actually in teacher's college. Yeah. And, and I stopped. Mitch there. was actually an editor <laughs> and was friends with people who knew how to do YouTube. <laughs> and so we both were on this weird spectrum. Okay. What are we talking about? And Hello. really it's like, I'm actually like, and Mitch was in a call. <laughs> oh my gosh. Some of them might listen to this and watch that. Yeah. Listen to, um, I have to call Don't. my sister podcast. If you want to hear about how Mitch, in a call yeah. um but i will say that kind of has to relate to comedy because we also have like our quote-unquote comedy cult <laughs> no for when we do our like spiels and our interviews like we do have our like one-liners that we know work through like we have our little equivalent of a routine like if you watch comedy or i have been doing stand-up comedy again before comedy died when the when the coronavirus <laughs> hit um and you watch comedians do the same jokes over and over and it's like what makes a good comedian in many ways is saying a joke in a way that makes the people in the audience think it's the first time they said it. Right. And we do have our little routine down where like people probably think we're saying it on the spot, but you're like, we try and hide the peas in the carrots or whatever. <laughs> the peas you're like, the we carrots. hide the peas in the Sounds carrots and the great. mashed potatoes. <laughs> like that's what science is. We hide the right. science in the pun the or whatever. Um, but I'm not funny. I am you get all the funny lines. You're funny. What do you mean? No, I think I've like slowly learned my only humor. Oh my God. What? Okay. Sorry. Like my also, only Also when humor. you were, I just have to pause because I'm petting the dog and I almost kissed the mic because I, every time I pet him, I want to kiss his Oh face. God. I want to lick his um, face. Okay. Going too far every I want, time. I want, I want to like make out with his face. So I think my, I don't, I'm not a funny person. I don't think of funny things that easily. 
but I think I know what's funny about myself is that I am so anxious and neurotic. But That's... I don't get to laugh at that part. Okay, it's actually you... very intense and scary for me. Okay. <laughs> but like I know in retrospect it's funny, but I'm like jealous because you can make jokes and laugh at the same time. Okay, I think that you are funny. I think that you don't give yourself enough credit. And I think um, I was actually on Big Brother and someone called me them without a personality. So wait, that stuck what? With me. Called you what? Tim was like, he's me, but without a personality. Are are you serious? <laughs> that stuck with me. That's so mean. I hate really, Tim. Well, he didn't say it to my face. I saw it when I watched the show. That was like something he said in a confessional? <laughs> no, he said it to somebody else. <laughs> wow. Well, Tim actually had a little bit too much of a personality. Oh, he's a sociopath. Yeah. It's like, that's also... That's too much of a personality. That's too much of a personality, you sociopath. Anyways, wow. Now I'm angry. But okay. Oh, you just got so defensive. That's nice. You... Because I think humor is so interesting and like yes i think a certain part of being funny is also about taking things not super seriously and like having like a lightness and also maybe even like trusting yourself a bit and i think it's like i don't like the fact that you're able to confidently say you're not funny is probably part of the reason why you struggle with whatever you think it means to not be funny. Cause I think you are really funny. You can say really funny things and you probably, I think you take things seriously. And I think that you have, well, a, you don't trust yourself. It's that, that, but I also have such a bad memory. So it's, and it's really hard for me to recall things quickly. So, and I know that's just one style of humor, like to be able to on the spot, come up with jokes. Yeah. That's not definitely a skill. I have, I am not close to in proximity. But at all I, I how much of this is a narrative you've built for yourself no me of course partially but it is honestly true like i think and this is not true at all but i think if i tried to write funny jokes eventually i could obviously you have to go through the whole process i really and, think you could because it's more of a science than you realize exactly i yeah. or more mean like i think intellectually i could come up with jokes but not yeah. in not on the spot i think i yeah. need the time to reflect and edit and all those things which i know most people do but there are people who i think you are genuinely funny on the spot you're quirky you're weird you, i don't you say things that are like you're much more quick with but i don't sense. necessarily think that one thing i do think though that even just like before this podcast i'm gonna lay out some things like what i think people think of me as funny but it is a part of humor and we're going to really get into this today but it's I don't necessarily think I'm super quick-witted especially like hanging out with comedians I know people who are really quick-witted but one thing is I know I don't take life or myself very seriously I have a scientific mind I think we're all going to die and like I think I take things with breath mm. and I do sometimes notice that you I so I just you don't like yeah, sometimes yeah, you get really person, really upset sure. about things and like you can get really triggered to the point where like even before this podcast you got upset about something and I was like how the hell that's what I'm that saying my only opportunity for funniness is my anxiety no and I'm, <laughs> I'm saying that that's really it is really funny and endearing and I'm like I don't think it's true I think you've like built something for yourself and I even think you don't like with life and with age, like I think you will become less serious. I might become more serious about life. Like these things are all in flux Perhaps. and I don't think it's smart to um, build a narrative for yourself at the ripe age of 32 that like you right. It is right. People, is. people can learn to be funny. We are going to talk about the science of humor and funny day. It is a, in many ways, a methodology. It's a craft that people can create. You can hone it. It's a muscle. So I think that, this is an interesting opportunity for you. I don't want you to say that about yourself anymore because it's not true. Okay. And you can change it if you want. I'm so funny. Yeah, there you go. Into I'm so that. funny. Into that. I'm so You are funny. funny. Also, um, it's all subject. Subjectivo. Yeah, but like it's not subjective. Okay, no, let's get in. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's like actually the other part. We still do Let's go into the podcast. Oh, what did we learn this week? So I am still on this kick, uh, having finished uh, this book, Fashionopolis, coming back to it a lot, trying to figure out how to purchase clothes. I think I kind of have always really been interested in fashion as an expression, like a kind of what we were just talking about. I don't care what people think. And I, and in a certain way, obviously everyone cares what people think, but I think 
I value not caring what people think. And I use my fashion as a way of like coding and signaling that to people. Like I kind of wear what I like. I don't like to like follow trends. Like I just wear what I like. And I think people will be like, oh, I don't think that people would necessarily Greg say Greg has a good fashion sense, but Greg dresses the way that like he wants to. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Does that, that make sense? sense? Yeah. Yeah. You're yes. Yeah. I think you have a good fashion sense, but there's that element of, okay, that's kind of like odd, but he's obviously comfortable in it. Yeah. Like these, I bought it. this cause it has puff sleeves and like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> um, but so I'm like, I think I've always felt that fashion was something. A puff foot, a puff. A See, puff, it took me like 10 seconds to get there, but I don't even know what you're talking about. That's cool. You're smarter than me. What? A puff is a gay person in England. Oh, a puff. Are you a puffer? Like from Billy Elliot. Oh, yeah, yeah puffer. Yes. I meant more like um, Anne of Green Gables. Like, I want puff sleeves. <laughs> um, but so I really did, I think, value fashion for a while. So I've had this like reckoning where like dealing with the climate crisis, consumerism, like, okay, I want to be able to dress the way I want to without ruining the world, aka I'm only shopping secondhand, but learning a lot about there's going to be ways that we can evolve the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't realize was that denim was dyed with synthetic indigo. Okay, so indigo. I'm like, huh, indigo. Like, to me, that's a color. Like, I paint. To me, that's a bookstore. (laughs) To me, me, that's a Canadian bookstore. That was quick. (laughs) Okay. Girl, she's quick. Oh, my God. She's a few drinks. Turn to leaf. Turn to leaf. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Alcohol. Are you kidding? Every comedian's two drinks in when they're on stage. (laughs) So, indigo the dyeing of denim initially came from a plant called Indigofera tinctoria, which is a plant. Oh. <laughs> There's also Japanese varieties, which are different. And what they would do is ferment the leaves to uncover the blue dye, dye which is known as indotin. And, like, it's really interesting because, like, it's a plant. It blooms. Like, butterflies come. Like, um, bees come. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was a very, like, you're essentially growing a crop. Then you ferment it and you've got this rich, rich dye, which technically that now is indigo. That is indigo. Well, and, and that is how you would dye jeans originally dyed denim when they started to make jeans in America. It's a very hmm. when you see like the so denim they outfit. denim in that color. Yes. And it comes from so a plant. What color is denim before? What is denim? I don't it's know what denim. Oh, it's just cotton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's processed cotton. It's really just cotton. So then you need to add this color. And then there's also all these horrible things they do to make it like ripped and like, okay. like washed and all these things. Weird. But now 99.99% of the indigo that goes into denim is synthetic and it has cyanide in it. It's oh. made of petroleum. It's just like this awful substance. It's probably cheaper and faster. It's to make. cheaper and it's faster, but it's based off of this idea that obviously back in the day where it's in nature, in nature, it's a plant and the leaves. If you watch videos of it, it's fascinating. It like if you even just like dry the leaf cool. or like hold it for long enough, it starts to like turn this rich, rich color. So that is a, just one thing is that some companies in America and in every country you live in, you can probably find places where people are actually dyeing things with natural dyes. Like I never really knew what that right. meant. Yeah. But it's yeah. like, oh, it's a Finding freaking a source plant. in nature. And yeah. it's like these plants also, the indigo plants or where you get indigo from, they don't they're not attractive to pests, so you don't have to use pesticides. Like there's all these like benefits that I'm just like, ugh, like I'm only gonna shop secondhand, but if I ever decide not to, which I don't want to, but if I do, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm, I want it to be made from an indigo plant. And there are some wow, companies who are cool. trying to get Levi's yeah. to buy into this. Like, why not? Like, just charge more. Don't the you, can't you picture? It, right? You probably need farms and crops growing this stuff. Yes, but then you can actually um, ferment and get this indigo color. And then you can actually uh, process it to become a powder and to become uh, like a really concentrated liquid to then ship it across the world. Like it's, it's like, it's still as much as it takes more like plants and it's like Mm -hmm. not made of petroleum and easier and cheaper. There are still ways to like move it and process it. That's cool. No, it it would be. And I could see that also being trendy because this is where my brain always goes is obviously to move people culturally in terms of how they're going to change their habits. You kind of have to move culture as well you have to uh-huh. make it interesting make it cool and i think there is something cool obviously we've seen like free range chickens and fair trade coffee and i don't want to say those are not good things it's just like there is a trend to them yeah people are will like we're at a point in time where people are willing 
to make these types of purchases. I think it's about educating people. Like I picture you walk into like where you got your Levi's or whatever. And it's they like have their the levers. Genuine color. Levi. They show you like behind on the billboard is maybe like a quick diagram about indigo. It shows you like a field of the indigo plant. And then it just is like, these ones are dyed with this plant. You're going to pay an extra 20 to $30. Girl, make it. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm just sitting at home reading a book. Okay. Like, I'm, like, I'm not, I am not, I don't have the skills, but I know people are doing it. That's and then cool. I was like getting really into this and like looking at like natural dyes and stuff. And there's um, other ones, which is like black walnuts can be used to make muted browns out of cotton. Huh. And then there's also this plant called matter, which is like a herbaceous perennial. Matter? that can, Yeah. M-A-D-D-E-R. Oh. And it can create like cranberry red colors. And I just was like, that is so interesting. Like, Obviously, cool, yeah. we always dyed our clothes back in the day with plants. Yeah, like, one it's time, like, oh, actually, I was going to dye my shorts are faded black. And then online, I read that you just soak them in used coffee grinds. Like that. I'm so and into then, that. And then they like go dark again. Wow. And that's another thing that this book is talking about is like being able. Yeah. It's like <laughs> we're, we're doing that tonight. Next summer. It's shorts. Yeah. <laughs> but being able to... um Really opening yourself up to understanding like, okay, if something breaks, how do you fix it? Which you would be so good at because you love to fix things. Like learning about how your products are made, like how your clothes are made. That's a great example of being like, oh, I could dye my shorts with coffee. These are all things that we can think about doing before we throw something out. Um, and yeah, mostly what I learned this week is about natural dyes. And like that That's to cool. me was a word last week, but then this week it became like a real thing. Mm. Still going to only shop secondhand. But I'm going to keep my eye out for like natural dye companies. And I hope that that trend picks up. Amazing. Your turn. Um, okay. This week, I found out that your brain and the universe are a lot more similar than we previously thought. I mean, dun, you're, dun, dun. You're, yeah, I was like Neil deGrasse Tyson talking over here. Um, well, if you picture it, picture what okay. a universe looks like. Picture what the neuronal networks yes, in your brain look like uh, and start to think, huh. I know there's a lot of, okay, we're not getting into this <laughs> I'm like idea. literally pretending I'm like, yeah, but I'm like in my head, space like, and no, the universe is so different than my brain, um, but I'm trying. No, I just mean think of like not the empty black space, like think of the stars and okay. all of the stars and like how you picture nebulas and what that looks like and the connectedness between Oh, it. wow. And true. then picture like neurons connecting and the colors and the connections of that. True. All the neuron ones are like on paper for drawing <laughs> like it's all just like the way i draw cell biology it's like and it's so like, it's so it's literally on a whiteboard it's the opposite of space but yeah so a research paper was literally just published about this by i believe an astrophysicist and a neurosurgeon who worked on it together and they talk about using, a couple of smart people yeah they were using basically algorithms and math to compare these structures and the organization of brains and stars in the universe in like, stars cool. or just the uh, makeup of yeah how stars and galaxies organize in okay, the yeah. universe i guess those are the main things so obviously one of the major differences is the scale that things these things are happening <laughs> at and so even the forces that are working on them are very different so that's why it was curious it's okay we can kind of see that they maybe look similar obviously there's major differences in why they would structure this way but <laughs> here are some things that they found so you know your brain has around 69 billion neurons and the universe has about 100 billion galaxies. Uh, in both, only 30% of their masses are composed of galaxies or neurons. So your brain mm. is most is 30% neurons. A galaxy is 30% or sorry, the universe is 30% galaxies. So it's really like this neuron galaxy comparison. Uh, it's neuron. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In the expanded uh, galaxy and neurons arrange themselves in long filaments or nodes between the filaments. Oh, uh, this is spiritual. Sorry, keep going. 70% <laughs> of the distribution of mass or energy is composed of components playing an apparent passive role. Water in the brain and dark energy in the observable universe. Oh. Very cool. Um, and so basically the connectivity within the two networks evolves following similar physical principles, despite that they're obviously in very different like conditions. I love how we have to keep doing the caveat like... But they're obviously, it's like, yeah, I well, know. No, that's what makes it interesting. So we're yeah. not at all. This study was not trying to also suggest, because there's obviously sort of the men in black analogy at the end where it's like a galaxy, they roll out and it's like aliens playing with marbles. Do you remember that? That was like 
something that I feel like directors in Hollywood threw in that truly (laughs) became a change culture, a philosophical mind blowing moment for our generation. I think. Yeah. Like I remember being like an annoying kid being like, like I was always been obsessed with science, but like, when this came up at a young age being like, but what if we're a marble? You know what I mean? Like, but what if we're just in a marble? Like it, it came yeah, like a moment where you could say that to someone and they well, go, Oh, and that kind of idea <laughs> is not what this is saying in the same way that it's not. There's these cool, uh, you know, you can philosophically think like, what if the universe is just a brain of another being and that we're all yeah, just like these like parts of a bigger it. creature and that our brain is like actually like a whole like the little universe. adrenaline molecule in our body is like someone's <laughs> no. existence yeah. yeah and that's not what these researchers were trying no. to say but ultimately the kind of bottom line was that uh Hot. the universe <laughs> and the brain structure shows more similarities so there's more, sorry, let me put it this way. There's more similarities between cosmic web is what they called it and a galaxy or a neural, neural network. And inside of an, what did I write here? I'm like, I literally was closing my eyes and was like, yes, tell me. I'm like, I need anything you would have said in that moment. I would have been like, okay. yes. Okay. Barber. This is the, I'm, re- I'm rereading. I understand. So <laughs> what we're talking about, the universe and the brain is more similar than what you see between the difference of the cosmic web and galaxies or the neuronal network and inside of a neuronal body. So what that basically means uh. is that <laughs> it's not like this this pattern is everywhere. Like your brain to its structures, it's not like everything in your brain follows this similar pattern. So that's why they found it interesting. Like statistically, the universe and the brain follow these interesting patterns that match that are not necessarily ubiquitously found in every other natural thing okay that made sense right as you said that at the end so like prior to that that line yeah prior to that i was like girl i don't know i started thinking about it and there are and this is just like anecdotal and my thought is thinking you know there are other examples that we can look at about how like trees kind of look like lungs or they follow those same patterns of like your brachials and like breaking down into all these different branches and then that's like where they're getting and exchanging their gases you know well isn't it like it's like surface area to volume ratio like nature in and of itself follows patterns yeah we hear about a fibonacci sequence exactly i do think that nature and science is spiritual in many ways i think that's for me part of the reason why i love it i think one reason why i love science and nature or science i guess in general is that i'm a critical thinker and it like allows me to feel like i'm absorbing as much of this world as i can while alive Mm -hmm. but the other part of me is that i genuinely find it spiritual i think the more i learn about any aspect of physics or science or biology or chemistry it just makes me feel more connected to nature to how this plant works to how that table got there like Mm -hmm. to me that is spirituality and this is just kind of a beautiful it just fits into that really beautifully like this organ like this you know, pillowcase size organ that's folded up in my head is the only thing that gives me a consciousness that gives me the only meaning in anything. So I would love to compare it to the expanding universe. That's spiritual to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is some beautiful ways to think about that. I agree. And, and that's all like, I'm ever trying to do with science is like search for spirituality within it because I think it kind of has like the most validity for myself and my life, in my opinion. Well, that's a beautiful way to I'm end crying. this segment. We're all crying. All right. I'd say we get into the episode. <laughs> About laughing. <laughs> study time. Study time. Study time. <laughs> okay, wait. Let's try and do our most realistic laugh. Okay, wait. Okay. Of ourself. Okay. Just like you're actually yeah, laughing okay. at a f- <laughs> Okay. No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Interestingly, I recently, this was not my study, but I recently was listening to a podcast about laughter and how so much of it is performative because that's socially ingrained in humans because laughter can sometimes actually stand to not necessarily be funny, but to, to create social cohesion. Okay. Which makes sense, right? When you it laugh can't. at something that's not necessarily funny. I'm sorry. Did I'm you like, know that laughter? On your no, no, no. Okay. Did you know that laughter emerged before language and it was used to signal to others that things were okay and that danger was low, <laughs> that now is a good time to play socialize okay. and explore? How did you memorize oh! that? Oh, <laughs> no, but it's I, that was like the first thing I wanted to say was that yeah. laughter is, well, I mean, likely like evolved nice before laugh. language. Monkeys met laugh. Exactly. Like, and it's showing like we are safe. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful biological cue to the people around you that you are safe. I'm only going to throw in the caveat because sometimes I guess I've always been safe, like, but sometimes I laugh in a pro- at, 
inappropriate moments when I feel high anxiety, I sometimes laugh. Okay, so you're sadistic. That, I guess I'm still safe in those moments. Yeah, like, if I ever yeah, actually felt in yeah. danger. No, no one's laughing like when they're like truly scared. about to die. Like it's like yeah. then people might be laughing at some existential like yeah. moment. You know, and sometimes and something it can be sad gets yeah. said or death. Like there's moments where you feel like it's the un- the anxiety, like laughter's of release. Also, there's like. <laughs> I always like doing comedy. I've truly only done it for two years and I know people who do comedy and they've done it since they were like 15 and now they're 40 and they would like laugh at me even having any opinion on this, but that's not true, but I'm just, there's a lot of self-deprecation in, in comedy. It's actually like a toxic environment. Greg, but look at me. You need to own that. You are a comedian that you that makes did me a barf. good job. No, I just mean like, <laughs> It's okay that some people can do it for 40 years and some people have only done it for two. And that doesn't mean that. you. Okay. Thank you. I will. You're great at it. Namaste. I am one. (laughs) Um, I really think that as you get to like do it more, it, it really is a good example of the fun being taken out of it. And I actually have read two books about science books about humor and they both end with a similar quote about how like, and the more you look at it, the less fun it is. So maybe we should leave it alone. Like, it's like a really right. interesting, like... That's a little bit like everything, I think. It, I know, I know. But but humor uh, is... Maybe not science, weirdly. Okay, so this... Okay, oh my God, I'm so excited. So I think that comedy is extremely fascinating because I feel like with my science mind, there are so many things that we can define, even like the laws of nature, physics. But comedy is a really fascinating thing that doesn't follow tangible scientific norms. So we're going to talk today about like where we've got with science, but in general, it is subjective. Like I've always found art and creativity and comedy to be fascinating and beautiful as a science minded person. Cause I'm like, that's where things start to fall mm, apart. Yeah. Why do I love, why does this book move me to tears and like why and does also this joke, why would somebody else be so unaffected so by unaffected by it? like yeah. and i i have i have noticed that like if i do the same joke over and over it can like make people laugh so hard and i'm like it's just these 20 people in this room <laughs> then the next night it can just be like people are literally like what is he saying like right. it's like it's just it's you see it happen all the time mm-hmm. but one thing i'll say about comedians and laughter i <laughs> they don't like they don't it is sucking the fun out of it like if you say something funny in a group of comedians they go oh they're good judging it they're like that's good right like it's yeah. like they're literally like oh that, they're no oh, well, or just no like, it's not negative it's just, like it's just that's good and outside that's good yeah. yeah like that's good that's that's, funny that's so funny not all of them and i think a lot of people have really strong relationships but if you get in a group of comedians there's this like interesting mm-hmm. dynamic which is really helpful for the creative process it's not bad and i really don't want you to say like it's out of jealousy or anything. It's just like, joking. it's just like, that's good. Like write that down. Wow. Okay. You're getting defensive. No, no, because I'm like, I, I, I want, I don't want it to be like, we're calling out all of Greg's comedy friends right no, now. No, because I'm one like, by one. Give me names. No, give me comedy names. Comedy is toxic. And that's not the reason. The reason it's toxic is because it's like only men have been allowed to do it. And like only men were told they're funny, even though according to studies, women laugh way more than men when reading, um, jokes and Aww. women, um, also value humor more than men and uh there's a bunch like only women are funny there's a bunch of (laughs) studies by richard wiseman in a variety of ways that show that women are if you want to like i will say it with confidence are funnier than men (laughs) and have more of a adept relationship with being funny which is fascinating the all rights coming for us well only recently have women been allowed to do comedy more unique perspective yeah and Mm -hmm. i just i'm just i just want to say i'm not just saying that like Women in studies laugh more at jokes and they value humor more. So it's like, okay, well, what does being funny mean? I'm pretty sure it's like laughing at jokes and valuing humor. <laughs> um, do you want to lead the charge on your study first or you want me to go first? Um, you go first. Okay. Never. Mine, I feel like yours might be more fundamental. Mine is related to... What is the thing on RuPaul about fundamental? Reading is fundamental. Yeah, cool. But reading is when you Honey, read. Honey, what does that mean? Oh, what do you yeah. mean? It's when you like get the glasses and you're like, Greg, your face is so red. 
I don't know. I could not be on that show. Oh my god, do it, do it, do it. Read me, read me, read me. Okay. No, like in the moment, those people plan. They all know they're going there, and they they have nights to like think of their jokes and stuff. But it would be like I just can't do it on the spot. See, I'm not funny. Um. Okay, going into my study. (laughs) Um. See, anxiety. So basically, (laughs) I was looking at the impact of humor on learning, and so there's some really interesting research beyond this even, but this is one particular study that looked into the effect of a professor or instructor telling jokes and what that did to people's learning abilities or what that did Hmm. to their learning experience. So there were like a few 1500 or 1600 people in this study. And what the ultimate finding was that ultimately males and females have very different views of what is funny and also what is offensive is what they found. Hmm. So, 99% 99% of the people who were asked said that they appreciate uh, an instructor having humor as part of their lessons, which doesn't seem surprising, but you might not think that that many people would say yeah. humor is important. But now that I think about it, I'm like, of course. Yeah, like, think all about my the professors we love. We're yeah. funny. They had moments. Like, of course, they could be serious, but they could also just kind of step back. Well, and they're laugh. public speaking, they're yeah. like doing comedy, hopefully. Uh, what they found in this study what, was that humor decreases stress and enhances a relationship between student instructor and the instructor and helps them to remember what was taught in class. Yeah. Um, so specifically going into more detail of what the stu- funny stuff. Oh my God, what is wrong with my brain? What the study found. So funny humor tends to increase student attention to course content, instructor relatability, and student sense of belonging. So obviously a very powerful tool for an instructor, a professor, a teacher to use in their classes. Um, In a great way, in a lucky way, unfunny jokes don't have a negative impact on learning, which is awesome. So if you're not that funny as a teacher... You could still take the risk. You're not Aww. negatively impacting your students. So many grown teacher jokes are so cute. And the yeah, kids love it. Exactly. Like they know they're trying to be funny. I think it's endearing, even if it's not funny. Yeah. The risk, the big caveat, oh. offensive jokes impact student learning. Oh and God. The problem yeah. is what's males offensive? and females see what's offensive oh, as completely wow. different. So 40% of students said their ability wow. to learn was decreased. If a professor or an instructor said something offensive, like beyond even just the one course, because obviously you start having trouble relating to them. And so men are more likely to think jokes about gender, sexuality, religious identity are funny and women are more likely to find them offensive. Obviously, this is a scale and everyone's different. But in general, that's what they found. Um, The three topics. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. They found were not offensive to anyone were science, Aww. college, and television. College? Oh my god! Like where they were at the time? I don't know. I guess this these were yeah. Kids, no, that, so. that that is interesting. Um, but it made me think about being in school, and yeah, I think even though I wasn't necessarily like a funny kid or anything, seeing uh, teachers. No, but I mean, sorry. I was quiet. I was introverted. It wasn't like I was participating or volleying, as RuPaul would say, uh, one million times in RuPaul's Drag Race. You got to volley. Remember? And I guess like I was truly like the loudest class. Yeah, ever. I feel like you had a different experience because you probably engaged in that. I would like be a participant. My teachers as a watcher hate like that. Th- I did well, but they really hated that I did well because I talked and was like so loud all the time and would disrupt the class so much. Like my mom hated going, and my dad hated going. My dad actually stopped going because oh, like, no. they would just be like your kid 
is so disruptive and like but he does well so this is like the most annoying place to be it's like okay yeah cool i can tell you your kid's doing well but he's ruining it for everyone i was like oh, oh my god, god. my mom was scold me i used to hide in my room i would like go in my room and open up a, a book on parent teacher interviews so that when she'd cut bu- bust like, in the light was on so i'm like studious. sorry i'm actually just reading a mystery novel what? like and i pretend i didn't know where they were um yeah no that and we were so different so I, I guess I was just saying before you interrupted Sorry. Me. <laughs> um, Volley, babe. No, okay. I appreciated teachers who were funny and even who just like created that environment of levity in class. Yeah. So especially when it was a class like science, because it feels so stale sometimes. So I am uh, in quarantine, uh, went a little bit chaos, chaos in the brain and wrote a screenplay. And it's actually about this because when I was a teacher, they told me that. I needed to not act gay, not smile. When you were what in school? When I was a teacher in the UK. Oh, that okay. I thought you said great, in high school. Yeah, I no, went. That- to, I taught at a school that was extremely challenging. I taught at schools all over Toronto. It was also sort of like a small town. Yes, I guess I'm saying that because I think there is a large difference between being in a city and being in a rural area. In terms of in like the cultural Britain. I would think so. Yes, Everywhere. Okay, like, in America, like, in Canada, in Britain, there's yeah. a massive difference politically, ideologically between cities. And this is one of the biggest divides of our times. Okay, that's fair. But I want to like just be a little more careful and nuanced. Like I taught in at-risk, quote-unquote, uh, like schools in Toronto. Sure, there was like that. The okay. most incredible students. I didn't, I like, you know what I mean? I went into environments that people were like... This is a rough school in Toronto, and it was like the res- <laughs> actually the respect and the students there were unbelievable. Way like I don't know. I looking back, I'm like, were they exceptionally amazing? Because then when I was thrust into yes, a small rural town in Britain with I think its own version of issues, it was like an at-risk school in Britain. It was like I had never seen behavior like this in my entire <laughs> life. It was wild, and I think it had so many. It, there were so many reasons why. In Canada, teachers are respected. They're paid really well. Um, There was also a large uh, multicultural diversity. So there was like this innate intelligence that comes with that to understand people, to empathize. When I went into Britain, these schools are homogenous and there's just this lack of respect. And I also think the whole school is designed to... It's like militant. They actually have... And also... Oh, sorry. No, say it. I was going to say, weren't they also uh, not categorized, but put into schools based on oh, tests they had God. taken, right? So at a very young age, you, you kind of made it sound like you take a test and you go to a school based on your quote unquote intelligence. Okay, so this is like part, like I do have jokes about this. I'm like, you'd think that Britain, like the head of colonialism, like would like, <laughs> you know, like be a shining star for anything, but like the country's busted. Like oh that, the, no, their education system is horrible. And I think maybe because it's been around for so long that it's harder to change. <laughs> I don't know what the reason is, but in, in this part of written you do you do an exam in grade seven and if you do well on the exam you go to a grammar school if you do bad on exam you go to you go to a separate state in grade school. seven in grade seven it's like what the every, hell did you know in grade everyone seven? Dumb in grade exactly seven? and then what they realize is it's a socioeconomic issue because people in grade seven with rich parents a they have more free time or they mm-hmm. hire tutors and they're like uh four plus four is like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Or you're not gonna I am going to say 16. <laughs> I had in my head, I was multiplying. But then I realized I said plus, and I fully panicked. Four plus four is eight. What? <laughs> they said, you didn't go to a grammar four school. Four plus four is 16. Boom, I'm in a state school. You know what I mean? Four plus four is 16. I'm screwed. So uh, it's awful. all it was was that symbol turning side. And exactly. It's just like an X, and then it's a plus. Like, I don't it's know. It's like confusing, actually. <laughs> but then they, even when you're in that state school, they rate people. If you're a lower behavior or a worse student, they throw you into one class. Like, differentiation is this thing that. Whereas is, here, that doesn't. Does, there's, I mean, to does be not fair, happen. In high school, there is the division of academic and like, applied. Applied. But so. that's a choice that you can make. No you're, one's telling you you have to do one. Like it, but either I, I way, you know, it's like, I know you mean. Yes. If, you, if you're ambitious, and not you a, want to be in. An yeah, and there's course, not like, a like yeah. actual like set in stone. There's a lot of like um, top down hierarchical like fear based into the system. Anyways, these kids were so 
violent and I was told to be stoic and not laugh and not come out and do all the things that I like in Toronto everyone's like come out like make sure like you're like <laughs> like literally I was told like first day is like come, come in and just like open day. like yeah like wear like a tweed shirt and be like I'm gay why kids. tweed like just like you were it was just so like they want in the TDS because it's good but is Tweed gay? Yeah, girl, are you kidding? Go with the time. What's Tweed? <laughs> isn't that like woven fabric? Yeah, I mean, it's gay. Oh, it's okay. granola. It's queer. It's out. It's downtown Toronto. <laughs> That's queer canon. Yeah. Tweed is queer canon. So then, I this truly happened to me once. I was playing a video, and I brought this into my screenplay, but this happened. About a, I was trying to teach people about nuclear energy, and I was like, people, the kids. I'm like, okay, panicking. Like, I'm going to start with a YouTube video of a nuclear bomb and, like, be like, this is the power of this energy, but we're going to go into it. And it was one of those videos that was an explosion, and then at the end, like, a scary face goes, nah, and, like, comes forward. I love, love that. That's so me. That's so, Mitch loves to scare. That's, he laughs so hard at a scare. Actually, your humor is And scare. even me, when I got scared, I'm like, good job. Yeah. You got me. Yeah, whereas I'm actually just scared. You're like, I, I like, hate I you. I punch you in the face. <laughs> I I screamed like a little girl. <laughs> I flew across the like classroom. All I broke a beaker. Oh That's so God. like front of me. I truly fell over and dropped a beaker. The kids <laughs> screamed and then they laughed so hard. And then I laughed so hard. And then we all laughed so hard. And I like I'm not exaggerating. I just remember like one of the worst kids just being like, huh, and then like opening his book for the first time, like holding a pencil and being like, so what are we learning? Uh, like it was like, it was like ice. Like it worked. It, like, literally, I was like, I had this moment where the whole class was quiet. They were like, we connected. They were on me. They saw that I was like human. a human. I was funny. Like I, it was so funny that that happened like that i was like this is nuclear energy and then it just like and it was it was powerful and yeah. it, it it was that is exactly yeah, what your like study is talking moment. about and it's also i wrote it into the script being like we can't teach teachers to like be these like evil stoic beings i don't i think it's an yeah. antithetic to like learning so that's just a really yeah. cool study. i i want to talk more about your study because i don't know what it is but i also want to talk about the idea of like how I think that humor and laughter is such a social construct to actually connect people in a weird way. So yeah. I figured, like, why don't we go for a little break? We'll come back and we'll talk about your study. And we're back. Teach me about humor, Greg. Oh, <laughs> I felt <laughs> way wild. That was so weird. That was so weird. <laughs> okay, what, tell me about what your study is about, and then we can ramble more about humor. Interesting. So. It's so interesting to talk about teaching and humor because I don't really think this applies, or it does apply, but I really think what you were saying, even making like a bad joke as a teacher that's non-offensive, is like going to help with learning. This is mm -hmm. this is about sort of what makes people laugh, especially in sort of like a comedy setting or like wanting to be open to like laughter or like okay. comedy, quote unquote. You mean like formulaically what makes people yes, laugh? Okay. Yes. And like what makes people think something's funny if they're with their friends or they're partying or they're like trying to have a good time, not like in a classroom setting. Right. Because okay. what I have noticed has worked as someone trying to be a comedian in those settings falls under this thing called the benign violation theory and I really think it is the closest I've ever really understood, especially from reading like science books about jokes, about how there could be like a scientific um, formula to it that even you saying you're, you self-identify as quote unquote unfunny, but you're really intelligent mm. and you, you think deep about things that you would be so funny if you used this theory to craft jokes okay like on tiktok or okay give it to me up. i need to know this so essentially Why have you told this to me before <laughs> okay so a, a good like analogy um I, it's so funny because i use these in tiktoks and you actually notice they will do better if you hmm. do this but um the theory is essentially saying that what comedy is doing is it's helping people deal with issues that are taboo or hard to deal with but like packaged in a way that makes it feel okay and a lot of comedians like understand this. And if you actually dissect comedy, you'll see this happening. And I also think it's a lot of the reasons why you end up with a lot of male comics saying offensive things to us as queer people 
or to women or to people who are butts of jokes and they're confused because they're they're trying to do this they're trying to push the limit they're trying to say well actually i'm saying something offensive right. but i'm encasing because it in a safe place right. but it's not safe to women or it's not safe to queer people so we're not finding it funny and but there's men like are. there's probably a line for whatever you're about to talk yeah. about it's like you have it's a fine line that you have to be smart enough to know where that line resides. Exactly. And so benign violation. So there has to be a violation of something like something taboo or something normal, but benign is you're putting it into a situation where it's like not actually bad and they have to exist simultaneously at the same time. And okay. that will make you laugh. Okay. And so an, a metaphor that I learned in one of these science books that I have kept with when I do humor is about tickling. So it's like, if your friend tickles you, you'll laugh. Mm -hmm. But if you're sitting on the subway and someone starts tickling you, you're going to be like, <laughs> slap the hand Extremely away, be like, get off of me. Yeah. 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 So it's like, okay, wow. what is that safe way that you can say something? Uh -huh. To tickle someone. To tickle someone. Uh, and that's really challenging if you're standing in front of an audience of diverse people, diverse ages, diverse backgrounds. And that's why I really respect comedians who are like have this universal approach. And I think it's also why a lot of male comedians will speak to men and maybe make offensive jokes about women and queer people. And we're off on the sidelines going, we're not laughing, mm. but they're laughing because it's safe to them. It's not right. affecting it's, it's them. It's not offensive. It's, it's pushing yes. a boundary that's not uncomfortable to them. Yeah. So that's called the benign violation theory. Okay. And it really is interesting. Like, so like recently um, I made a TikTok that people responded to and like, a f like people were just like, ha ha ha, like laugh, laugh, laugh. And it was that, um, audio that's like literally my life dance mm -hmm. dance everything <laughs> it's just like this catchy love that song. amazing don't know song what the hell that song is love it and the whole framework of that joke on tiktok is the benign violation theory so it's this really upbeat song and people write on the screen uh, the most morbid thing that has happened to their grandparent. Like one of them was someone who decided not to go to school the day that they dropped the hiroshima bomb like they would have died in it and then they uh, survived cancer like three times oh and now they're like a badass bitch or something but it's okay. like literally my life right. the, and the, the woman doesn't know what <laughs> is happening right. she's like literally my life and there's like my mom my grandma's amazing like giving the peace sign you're like oh you're laughing because it's like that is yeah. so dark uh -huh. but this song is so mm -hmm. funny and it's 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 actually packaging this woman as like a boss. Yeah, in a way that's acceptable and you want to root for somebody yeah. who's made it through that. And some of them are really dark. It's like when my like this is like a trigger warning. It's like when my like I, I actually don't even want to say it. They're like it's like it's like when my one parent murdered my other parent and they're just uh, walking down the street smiling, going like literally my life. That's like the number one TikTok. Because uh, <laughs> it's like it's shocking, but this person is Laughing, laughing and it's like and it's there that yeah. i was like this is the benign violation theory like accelerated this kid is like 14 she's showing you that she's laughing right. at it i'm like comedian like you know like louis ck like yeah I like could only something. do Can that something so i think what makes that so interesting not not necessarily that in particular but i think a big part of comedy and just enjoying it in general is that in that example, people are being self-deprecating, right? Mm -hmm. So you're violating this idea, but then you're actually not being offensive because you have experienced yeah. it. And I think that is like what a more modern and nuanced version of this theory is. And it's is that before you could just like push the boundary. There were people who weren't gay making gay jokes because it was kind of taboo. It was funny. And they were but now it makes sense that you need to be gay because you can push the boundary of that because you actually live that experience. You're obviously for the most part, obviously there's a small percentage, but you're obviously not shaming your whole community. If you're somebody whose parents killed each other, or if you're someone who has a grandma who is like ex experienced extreme things, like you're close enough to make those jokes that you're yeah. not just trying to hurt other people. You're being self-deprecating. And I think to be honest, like with comedy, it's like, yeah, when, um, Chris Rock was saying those homophobic jokes like gay people didn't have a voice. They didn't exist mm -hmm. at the time. Gay people exist enough now to be like, that's hurtful. Yeah. Like at the it's time, also those... just not funny when it's kind of like when someone you can make fun of your family members, you can make fun of people you love. But when someone else does it, actually is like, that's mean. And they're and they're they were making fun of 
gay people for straight people or they right. were making fun of women for men mm-hmm. like louis ck was making fun of gay people for straight people i'm sorry mm-hmm. but like not that many gay people would have been at a louis ck um like comedy show audience, yeah. yeah and i wouldn't be surprised if the racial back the background of it i was quite white and i wouldn't be surprised if it was predominantly male mm-hmm. like because it's it he wasn't having to grapple with the fact that the audiences the audiences who didn't feel safe in the benign violation theory of a Louis C.K. joke weren't at his shows. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something that makes it really fascinating and touchy and why we all talk about comedy in this way because a group of dudes doing comedy for dudes, which happens all the time and I go into these spaces all the time, they're making each other laugh, but they're sometimes talking about things that I'm sitting there like so offended. I'm like, this isn't funny to me because you're making fun of me or you're making fun of women who I respect more than you. Mm-hmm. And so it's like <laughs> that is like this like play out and it's OK. Like, I think that part of the process of comedy is like figuring out where you fall and having to deal with the fact that maybe you got it wrong with the benign violation theory. Uh, but one other really tangible part of this study that I even wanted to really say was that. With Laugh Labs, which was this study that they did over a year with 1.5 million responses about jokes and timing and all these things, they found that it's set. it has to be at least 17 days after a national tragedy before you can make fun of it that people will laugh. That's really short. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a latency period of... I mean, again, this doesn't mean that like you're making a bad joke about it, but it's like mm. it, you they they found that they like you could push start you to could push start that boundary. to push the boundary of humor about say it was like September 11th that was devastating, but if you had like a good take on it 17 mm. days after before people were able to go this benign violation like the benign part of this violation is mm. starting to come into play. Mm-hmm. There is a certain point where things are too fresh that anything you say yeah. is not going to be benign. Yeah. Um, and so that that formula of the benign violation theory, I think, has worked for me when ever it's weird. It's like math. It's like if you put in the work or it will work, like sometimes mm-hmm. when I will go to write a joke, like whether it's on Twitter, you just write whatever's on the top of your head. But if you stop and I really think this is something for you, like you would be good at because you are a slow thinker. You are an intelligent thinker that if you were to be like, OK, this is the thing I want to say. Now let's think about the benign violation theory. I think you could write really like incredible jokes or TikTok. I guess that's a weird part where I guess my brain tells me other people have that naturally and that if I do it calculatedly, it's not real. So that's Even if not other people true. find it funny, but maybe that, yeah, that's, that's a weird true. construct in my mind. People, people, comedians aren't funny <laughs> like they're not necessarily they're funny spending in real the life. time to figure there's it out. a lot of comedians i know and i like watch them on stage and i watch them off stage and i'm like oh my god you're so funny on stage and you're the same person you are off stage you're just funny mm-hmm. then there's other comedians some of the best comedians i've ever seen live who are so funny on stage and then off stage they're just like quiet and normal and kristen wig is oh an my example. god i was literally about to say her name Really? That, like, I think the same exact time I was like, eh, and you said, like yeah, Christina. she's obviously so funny. But when yeah. you see her in interviews, she's very oh, a bit subdued compared yeah. to how funny she can be as a character. She's intelligent. She's right? and seems a little bit introverted, which is surprising for a comedian usually. So which I obviously there are plenty of introverted comedians, I guess. Even on top of that level, though, like not to bring it all back to me um, <laughs> is uh, I think. I guess I tell myself that Kristen Wiig has a brain designed for that and that she can think of funny jokes. They went to school. Yeah, I guess she's. You have time. a degree in science and That's like true. editing. Like my I have a degree in brain has been art. primed to yeah. think about how to talk about and think about science broadly. They went to the groundlings. They went to school where someone was like, yes, and this is the benign violation. Like mm. they get taught these things. And it seeps into their personalities, both on stage and off. So, so it tricks you maybe even to thinking that they're funny. But not funny. everyone who's funny went to school for it. But they must have just had the life experience to like uh, create some sort of feedback loop where they practice that a lot subconsciously. Subconsciously. And there is a there is an interesting tension, I think. And like if they didn't go to school for it they likely were taught it by their parents or their friends or like even me as being like the self-identified slash class clown i got to play with 
like being right. funny. I guess I, the people I'm thinking but, about aren't necessarily good stand-up comedians. They're just outgoing and funny as people, and would only benefit if they were actually trying to be comedians from learning these things. Personally, it's like I learn so much from these books. Like I have so much I have to work on when it comes to being a comedian. But the things that have worked have come from things that I've learned. And I think a lot of people maybe want to pretend with art that it's about like a gift or a thing that you've learned. But that in my life has been debunked through my visual art Mm. degree, through my like attempts at doing comedy, through science. Like it's all about practice and time and learning. Here's what I think then. I think at the end of the day that people who end up being really funny, anyone maybe could be, or maybe not anyone, but like there's that kind of idea that, you know, the path is there for someone who puts the time in to figure it out. And that the people who end up being funny are the ones who have this sort of propensity towards it. Cause I, I do objectively. I'm like, I think if I spent 10,000 hours trying to be funny. I think well, I would be Well, I'm not going to allow you to bunk that, but okay, continue. But you know what I mean? yeah. I'm saying that as a figure of speech. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think if I spent hours a week practicing and writing jokes, I think I could yes. make funny jokes. Yes. But there's then this other level underneath where it's like, but I don't want to do exactly. that. And I also don't. I, like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I truly have like realizing like, I'm not saying that, that comedy. it's not worthwhile. I'm just saying for some reason I don't. Yeah. And that's totally I'm fine. But, life. um, I, I think more what I would want you and listeners to take away from this is I think more you as someone who were like started by being like, I'm not funny. It's like, it's not black and white like well, that. And if you actually wanted to be, you could take a little bit of time to research and to learn and to practice, especially with the fact that you have to make TikToks and things like that, where TikTok is a really fascinating medium. And so is Twitter. And now that you know benign violation theory, you're going to see it with viral tweets and viral Mm. TikToks. You're going to think, oh, wow, this whole beginning of this TikTok is making me feel safe. And at the last minute, they're going to throw something in that violates you. And then all of a sudden you're going to laugh and be like, that was so funny or that threw me off or, but I still feel safe. Like, that's so interesting. It's not a. It's not something you necessarily don't want to do when sometimes you're like, I have to make a TikTok about information I think is interesting. I know. I don't know why there's such a disconnect for me. Maybe because I have feel like there's like layers on my own personality that are stopping me from doing. Yeah, that. yeah, and I think that that is because I, I I find it difficult because we live and work in this entertainment world. I have moments where I'm like, oh, but I'm I'm weirdly like an introvert. And if I was left to my own devices, I would not. It's not that I wouldn't have a podcast. It's not that I wouldn't have a YouTube channel. I probably would do those things, but I wouldn't. I've been more recently wanting to do things more candidly. Like our podcast allows for that. I'm wanting to make our videos a bit more candid and less scripted because uh, it allows people to see who you are a little more vulnerability. Is that a word? Vulnerably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but then I get insecure because I'm like, but I don't know that I, my talent is that. Like, I, I think my talent is to like really zone in on something and work on it hard and spend a lot of time and then present. But that's what really incredible artists are doing. They're spending the time, they're doing that thing and they're making it look effortless, which you do in many ways. But the mediums you just mentioned are ones that don't lean to that, like what we're doing right now, talking into a mic freely. Mm. And so I think that they're all going to benefit each other. And I don't think it's that black and white. And I think it's also something that like, I mean, we know each other really well and like in therapy, like you're working on. It's a worldview or a narrative you've told yourself that isn't necessarily true. Yeah, I just, I just debate if I, it's like, do I want to be that? Is it worth my energy and time to work towards that? Or yes, probably if you think but about that. why, but wait, what do you mean? Work towards what being funnier? No, I'm not. Okay. I'm not even necessarily talking about being funnier in general. I'm Cause talking, like at the deep core, I'm like, I don't care about being funny. Yeah. What I'm actually talking about when I'm specifically talking to you, this is Are so we funny. A therapy session? <laughs> when I'm specifically talking to Mitch into this mic, which is going to be broadcast to like tons of people <laughs> is that you are spending a lot of your time now as a quote unquote TikToker, as a quote unquote science communicator, as a quote unquote someone who has this like platform where you're trying to teach science. And you're always trying to think how, even like let's go back to learning. Mm-hmm. How am I going to mm-hmm. teach this well? It's like it's not about well, when oh, you put it that way. Am I gonna try and be funnier? Like of course that's a psycho thing to say. Oh, I'm gonna practice being funnier. Mm-hmm. But 
we know how important it is right and we know the benign violation theory and there are formulas to it i don't think it would take you especially as like a really intelligent person who learns quickly about things that long to like heighten the things you're already doing to be quote unquote funnier and you're not actually going to change you're just going to make the content that you're making more funny okay did that well, make sense? It, it did. At the it end did. of it, I was like, are you just fucking playing crazy shit? No, no, no. That makes sense that it is like a, per, it's a perspective shift. You have some weird, like being funny, like thing that's like oh, binary. Yeah. It's like, it's no. not. Oh, well, I'm a binary person to begin with. So, yeah. uh, and I, because I don't like the idea of saying this word I'm about to say, but I live in this sort of like uh, purity spectrum in terms of like the way I view myself of like not wanting to do something that doesn't feel quote unquote authentic. Right. I've even said this to you. Like I have a really hard time acting happy when I'm upset or being like exuberant when I'm sad. And so there's part of me that thinks like I am not a funny person. So I don't want to try and be funny. Whoa. Oh my God. In the same way that all those other things cause problems for me, there's like this idea of like, what am I? And I need to be that authentically. And sometimes that stops me from like trying to do other things. Cause I'm like, but I'm not that. But then it is just like, you get to choose what you are. No, it's crazy. But in like in my therapy, now we're just getting deep. It's like <laughs> that, we've, that we've realized me and my therapist. It's like, I um, live my life so through the perspective of death. And like I said earlier about like my obsession with spirituality through science, like I'm always thinking about death or I'm always thinking about life and death. And like, me being alive I think is just the most beautiful thing and through that worldview I am obsessed with experiencing and like this is going to simplify it but like conquering fears so it's like when there is something like to learn like Mm -hmm. what you're saying you're like I'm like oh I'm not good at that I'm not going to do it it's like if I'm not good at something I'm going to do it because Because while alive that is what a beautiful thing to do to to enhance my life. And so it's like, if you notice, it's like so different. I know it's like, so it's like, Oh, painting. It's like, okay, I'm going to get a degree. I'm okay. I love science. So I'm going to get a degree in science, but you know what? I also like, am really creative. I also need to do a degree. Like people weren't doing degrees in science and painting. Cause I was like, I need to make sure I do that. Then yeah. I get really good at painting, do really well at painting. And I kind of stop and I'm like, what's something. And that like, let's just use comedy as example. Like, that's a thing that I'm like have never done as challenging. Mm-hmm. I'm alive. Why not try that? Now I'm trying to like write because things. Don't you it's ever like, feel like I I have this is obviously not a podcast about just being funny anymore in this last moment. We're probably gonna wrap up soon. I'm just like, I guess I have so much time anxiety. I'm like, I don't have I need to spend the time I have on this earth doing the things I actually like now instead of trying to do things that I don't necessarily know I like or and, don't necessarily know are me authentically. Whereas, which is totally fine. Whereas my thing <laughs> is like, I want, I think it. we're all capable of liking everything we do. And I want to try different things because mm. I want to know what about them I'm going to like or dislike. Like, I actually think that after COVID, I might not do quote unquote comedy ever again. And I'm so happy that I got to do it and realize what I liked about it and what I didn't like about it. Like there's only certain things, mainly science in my life that I have gotten so into that I've been like, I still like this. Mm-hmm. And it's mainly actually nature. It's like the only thing that's like pulled through for me. And so I'm just like, I don't know what the next thing is. I'm going to try and do really full, full throttle and then realize I like or don't like. I don't know what I don't like right now. I need to do it to know what I won't like. Well, philosophy 101. Girl. Is it? Like, I'm like, does that make sense? No, it does make sense. It, it is just, I think, um, Related to our innate personalities yeah. or, or the way we were conditioned. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. I don't know if there's like a genetic component. There probably is at some element. I mean, it's therapy. So it comes down to our parents. <laughs> it comes down to <laughs> really? our genes and the way we were Truly. raised. Uh, and our teachers. Okay. Well, very interesting conversations. I can just picture someone like who has been washing the dishes and stopped and being like, what the hell are <laughs> they talking about? Are like laughing, right? laughing, laughing. And then being like, oh, oh. oh. Oh, like we're going here. Okay. Like we're going into like their therapy conversations. Okay. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh,
What else is on, going on? Um, a lot of these podcasts are related to ASAP Science videos. So whether it's out or not, we're doing a video called The Funniest Joke in the World Statistically. Go True. watch it. We're doing a video about lots of different things. Every podcast is often related to a video, but often it helps we're doing to get our brains first. flowing on the studies. It's uh, like if you want to know the thought process behind this, that's it. We love y'all. Yeah. Love y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Rate and review if you can on iTunes and any podcast app that you're using because that's apparently like a very useful thing. Uh, and thank you so much. It's uh, We love to hear from you. So message us on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.